This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome, everyone. This is Kelly King, and I'm here with Elizabeth Hyman, and we are so excited that we are finally getting to record some new episodes, aren't we, Elizabeth? Yes, this is exciting. Oh, yay. Now, we do know that that we are doing this um, kind of separately in different places, so if the audio seems a little off, um, just know that we are trying to do our very best to to bring you the best um, recording that we can. But we are so excited about our guest today. A lot of you know her. You probably listened to her podcast. You've probably done one of her Bible studies. But we are so thrilled to introduce you to Jennifer Rothschild or reintroduce you. So yes. Jennifer, welcome to Mart. Well, thanks. I'm so I'm so happy to be with you, all socially distant and all. It's fun to be together. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Well, if you can just, we're just going to let you start. We don't like to do big introductions because we really want to hear from you. So tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about you, yourself, your family, your ministry, and what's been happening lately. Well, what's been happening lately, I'll start with that, is that I don't think I've worn anything except yoga pants since about February, since we've been sheltered in place. And now that we've been getting out a little bit, none of my clothes fit. So <laughs> that's one of the first things that's been happening with me is I realized I... um. I have probably eaten a little much during sheltering in place, um, but my name is Jennifer. I am um, a mom of two grown sons now, and the oldest is married, and so I have two little guys, two grandbabies, which is just the most fun thing in the world to be Gigi. My husband is named Phil, and he is a professor. So that means, you know, he worked hard to get his PhD. So I have my very own Dr. Phil, I always say. (laughs) We've been married over 30 years. We have a little dog named Lucy and she kind of runs the place. She she lets us live in her house. She's a diva. Uh, I have been um, writing for many years now and I've written books and I have written Bible studies and I just know that my heart is uh, writing and teaching the word. It just, I love, I don't mean writing the word, the word has been written. I mean, writing about the word of God and helping me understand it more clearly and helping other women understand it more clearly. That's just where my passion is. I do have a podcast called the 413 Podcast, and you probably know that that name is based on Philippians 413 because the truth of scripture is that through Christ, we can do all things. It's not through our power or our great personalities or our drive. It's through Christ in us. He doesn't just give us strength. He becomes our strength. And I guess the last thing I would say about myself is that the reason I named my podcast, the 413 podcast, is because I've seen that truth real in my life, especially when I lost the majority of my eyesight as a teenage girl. I was diagnosed with a disease called retinitis pigmentosa. And so I became legally blind as a 15-year-old, and rapidly over the next many years, I continued to lose eyesight until eventually I was totally blind. So now here I am in my 50s, and I have lived uh, longer 
in physical darkness than I ever lived in physical light. So that's why I love God's word. Psalm 119 says that if it were not for your law, which is just another way of saying if it were not for your word, I would have perished in my affliction. And that right there is the truth. I, there is no way that I could ever do blindness without the Lord and without his word. Um, but with him, I can I can do this thing. And not only can I do it, I can do it with joy and resilience and perseverance. And so that's kind of my story in a nutshell. But, you know, if I had to give it a title, it would be, if it were not for your word, <laughs> I wouldn't have made it through this. That's so such a beautiful testimony and definitely something that I feel like we can all say who are believers. Um, and yeah, so we want to actually talk about your study of the word and talk about your newest Bible study, which is called Take Courage. And it's a study of Haggai. And so that's kind of a lesser known book of the Bible. So can you tell us what drew you to this particular passage of scripture? Um, and kind of just give us an introduction, because I feel like most of us don't even know a lot about Haggai as a person, much less like what his message was to the people. Well, I think I've got a thing for the minor prophets. I just, for whatever reason, the Lord has drawn me to them. I'm, I'm super fascinated. I did a Bible study on the book of Hosea. And I just think these men in scripture are fascinating, the lives that they lived. And so I'm always drawn to reading their books, these minor prophets. And so Haggai, you guys, it's only two chapters. It's 38 verses. I mean, you can literally read it in eight minutes. And so I started reading through Haggai a couple of years ago, and I was like fascinated because I happened to be in a season of discouragement. And if you read, no, I shouldn't say if, when you read the book of Haggai, if you haven't yet, you'll see that these people had had some discouragement they were dealing with also. So what the, what the backstory is for Haggai is that um, the Jews had been in exile. And they finally got to go home. And, you know, I can just imagine they're heading home and they're excited because isn't that what we want after exile, just to get things back to normal. <laughs> and they get home and, of course, their temple is still in ruins, but they're fired up. So they start rebuilding and then some neighbors get a little bit annoying to them and push back. They get more distracted because they want to build their own houses because they got their own responsibilities. And so the bottom line is this is where Haggai steps in. And he basically is saying, hey, y'all, consider your ways. Think about what you're doing because you're missing out. And I know you're discouraged, but you build more than you see. And I know you're getting pushed back, but you can be strong because God is with you. And I remember as I was reading that, I was feeling some of the sense of just the, the weariness of life, the weariness of blindness, the weariness of ministry. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You, Even though scripture tells us not to grow weary in well-doing, we can get fatigued. And I was discouraged. And so God was using that to teach me um, what it meant to take courage. Because Haggai 2, verse 4, that's kind of the hook that I hang the whole study on. And Haggai is basically saying to the leaders and to the people, take courage and work for I am with you. And so the reason I wrote the study on the book of Haggai is because I needed to take courage. But I got to be honest, you guys, I mean, Kelly and Elizabeth, I, I was writing this Bible study because I've got such a can-do attitude. I was like, okay, that's what I'm putting on my to-do list. Take courage, right? And it was almost like, 
do the next right thing, pull it, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But it was in the midst. I had just finished the manuscript. I just turned it in and I was preparing to write all the messages and film the videos. And it was on December 8th that I was in my kitchen. I was getting ready for a Christmas party for my husband's students to come over. And I had literally finished everything. And I was just going to fill up a pitcher of water so that they could pour it into the coffee pot when needed. And so I had loaded the dishwasher, closed it, walked over to the coffee pot, was bringing back this empty pitcher to fill at the sink. And I did not know that my dishwasher door had swung back open. And I was walking at, you know, probably 50 miles an hour. My friends tell me I walk way too fast for a blind woman. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I tripped over that dishwasher, but I didn't just trip. I did this flying leap and I landed on my wrist. And a broken yeah. wrist, um, of course, is is never an easy thing. And I had surgery and I had the bone reset. But when you're blind and now you only have one hand, it's because I usually feel with one hand and function with the other. So my function was completely um, reduced while I'm trying to prepare for this video. And I was trying to take courage. And I realized halfway through when the bone slipped and I needed new surgery and we weren't even sure we were going to be able to film the videos, when I had other people typing for me and doing everything for me, I realized I can't take courage. I got none. And that's when the Lord shifted my understanding of what Haggai's message really is. And I, it still brings me to tears because I have a difficult gratefulness over this because the broken wrist made blindness feel like Mount Everest. And it's hard to be grateful for all that, but I'm grateful that he taught me what it really means to take courage. It doesn't mean we man up and try to make it happen. It means we take courage from God. When he says take courage, it's this, it's, yes, it's an imperative, but it's the, the tense of the verb means you actually receive something you don't have. It's like be strengthened rather than be strong. And I began to shift and understand what it meant to actually receive courage from God because I didn't have any on my own. And y'all, there are women right now because of this pandemic, because of job loss, because of how our our purpose has gotten all fuzzy, because of the, the racial tension in our United States and even across the world, the injustice, there's just so much of a shifting that's happened in women's sense of security and confidence. And if there's ever a time we need to take courage, it's now. And that means we just need to say, God, I got nothing, but you are my everything. And so I am going to take from you. I'm going to take a fistful of courage from you because I know you're with me and you're not just going to give me strength, but you're going to be my strength for every step of the journey. That is so good, Jennifer. And I mean, I was just, you know, looking at some of the things that we wanted to talk to to you about. Some of what you have just said has really even kind of answered some of the questions that Elizabeth and I were going to talk about because right now hope and motivation and it just seems hard in our world right now. And and I do love that. I mean, I this morning I went to Haggai just to kind of read through it again and and I was just encouraged by the by the repetition of his words of being strong. And I love how you said that's being strengthened. And the other thing that I noticed, like that said over and over again, is just the declaration of the Lord of armies. Mm. And that to me speaks a whole lot um, of who God is and who, you know, 
who he is to his people. And maybe that was something that stood out to you in this, in the study. I don't know. Well, I love that. That's the most frequently used phrase in, in Haggai. And it's interesting because many of us are familiar. There's many names. There's many names of God, the way God's name, God's characters communicated through his names. But when you read this one, what I love about it is God is calling himself. I'm the Lord of angel armies and I have spoken. And it's like, he's saying there are powerful forces around you that are pulling you down. And for the Jews, it happened to be that their neighbors, the Samaritans, were really messing with them. And they were trying to disrupt the work. They were trying to discourage them and they were trying to deflate them and and do whatever it took so they would stop doing what God called them to do, stop being who God called them to be. And so God is basically saying, look, I am the Lord of angel armies. Your enemy may look powerful. I am far more powerful. And I think that's a message for us today. I feel, I I, I have woken up in the mornings, many mornings during 2020 with this sense of that, that there are forces around me that are more powerful than my ability to manage them. So, so I'll do small things like I'll stop watching the news because I, I just can't take any more bad news that I can't yeah. help. You know, it, it just, the it, it, it increases the anxiety. That's a message for us during this time. Yes, it may seem there are powerful forces around you, and, and, it, and there are. I mean, this, pan, this invisible virus, it, it's powerful, but it is not more powerful than the Lord of Angel Armies. So even on those days when we feel like, gosh, my feet are just like firmly planted in midair, I am just wallowing in uncertainty. That's when we realize, no, our feet are planted on the rock that never changes because he is the God of angel armies. And I love that because that same God of angel armies, he's our Abba Father. He's the one who not only has a strong right arm of authority, but, but he has that gentle arm of the shepherd who scoops us up and carries us and says, you know, I got you. I, like Haggai 2.4 says, I am with you. I am with you. And what's also beautiful about that, I think, um, is sometimes when everything else feels so present, it, it, can, it can obscure the reality that God is more present and that he is present in the midst of the discouragement. He's present in the midst of the uncertainty. And that's where we can just, you know, just pause and recognize, okay, Lord, if you're a present help right now in this time of trouble, then I'm going to be present in your presence rather than so fixated on the news or so worried about what's going to happen with my job or with my family. I've had to do that over and over. I don't, I, I don't know if y'all have it. I teach this stuff and I've had to go back to the basics of just, Lord, I'm present right now with you in the present because it's hard. We're, we're in a difficult season. Yeah. And I think that um, that speaks to another question that we were kind of going to ask you, but you've already answered it <laughs> is because um, we talk about a lot of times when we think about the Bible and courage, we think about like Joshua or we think about um, David defeating Goliath and our problems don't look the same as, as David's and Joshua's like leading an army of people. Our, our problems are like you were saying, invisible or just discouraging, just like the wearing down over time of um, the same thing happening over and over again, or especially right now, I kind of feel like uh, this is the perfect message, which you could not have known, but we're kind of in a way in exile right now. And we are 
some of us are removed from everyone else. Like we're completely isolated and some of us are isolated with our families. And that is a different kind of isolation as well. And to just know that God is with us and that is where we can draw a different kind of courage. Um, just the courage to, to keep going, the courage to hope and the courage to just be motivated to, to, uh, fulfill God's purposes in our lives, even when we feel alone, when we feel discouraged, when we just can't take another news story. Um, <laughs> I feel like 2020, it's just like throwing everything in for us. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so to kind of just have the hope that even with all of this happening, God is with us and he still has a purpose and a plan for the world and for our lives individually um, is an encouragement and definitely something that um, I feel like we need right now. So mm-hmm. here's a question that you may or may not have an answer to, because I feel like it's um, pretty personal for people, but what are like practical ways that we can take courage even in the midst of all that's going on or just in the midst of a, of a very normal year when maybe it's just in our own lives that we're experiencing this discouragement. Um, what are some ways practically that we can actually take hold of this courage that God gives us? Um, that is such a good question, Elizabeth, because um, the theories are awesome and the truths are real, but until we can put them into practice, they don't really help change what today looks like. And so I, I try to be very practical in the Take Courage Bible study for that reason, because I need it. And one of the things that I did is I went through Jeremiah 29. And in Jeremiah 29, that is the letter that was written to those who were in exile. So that's what these people who were in exile would have read or had read to them uh, before they got home. Okay. And the book of Haggai begins. But the truths apply to us perfectly because we have felt like we are in exile. Many of us will be in exile for a while. That just means we're kind of disenfranchised. We're removed from the promised land we thought we should have been living in. And so the the Bible is super practical in Jeremiah 29. I believe it starts in verse four, where um, the letter tells, here's what I want you to do while you are in exile. I, I want you to, I want you to build houses and live there. I want you to plant gardens and survive from that nourishment. I want you to uh, take wives for yourself and have children and and then take wives for those children and, and so on and so on through generations. And so the Bible is super practical to say, hey, you may be in a difficult situation, but here's the very practical things I want you to do. I want you to to, to build something while you're in this exile. In order to take courage and to really live fully in the place that God has allowed you to be, you build something. You don't retreat. You keep building something, whether it's a habit, whether it's a new hobby, whether it's building your faith. You plant something. What are you going to plant? In other words, what are you going to put in the ground that you are going to watch God grow and it's actually going to nourish you? For me, I've looked at things like, okay, I I know this might sound silly to some people, but I'm not a big TV watcher and it's not because of blindness. It's because I'm a productivity junkie and I'm always learning and growing and I love all that. But during this exile, I have made myself chill out and watch the crown. Now, how is that planting something? Well, what it's done, it has planted this this seed in me of, of... just being able to relax, but at the same time, being able to grow and learn and has nourished me. I have enjoyed it so much. Okay. So you plant something. Um, 
the Bible also talks about in Jeremiah 29, you know, that you're to, the, the exiles were to continue to basically grow their families. I think that means for us, we need to increase in relationship. We don't isolate. We increase. You may not be able to do it in the same way, but you send text messages. I have Zoom phone calls with my girlfriends when we still couldn't get out and visit with each other. And we would literally all three get on the screen together and we would just hang out like we would if we were at a coffee shop. And we would talk about what we were drinking and what we were eating. And we would just have fun together as if we were having coffee together in a coffee shop. So plant something, build something, increase in relationship. I would encourage our listeners to read Jeremiah 29, 11 and just see how practical it is. And then when you get to the end of Jeremiah 29, um, that's where you'll read near verse 11, <laughs> that the Bible is saying, God is saying, when it's time, this exile will end. But just know that even when it doesn't look like it, there is a hope in a future. And that future and that hope is not out there when exile ends. That hope and that future is right now in the hard middle of whatever you're dealing with. That's how you take courage. You just hold on to the promise that when it's time, exile ends. But until then, there's still a hope. There's still a future. And what's going on now, it is not for our destruction. It is for construction. It is that we would build and grow and learn and love more deeply. And so for me, just going back to Jeremiah 29, 11 has helped me see some very practical ways to take courage. That is so, yeah, so practical. So helpful. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. And I, I'm just like taking notes over here, I even though too. I know I'm going to listen to this again, but that's so good and so helpful. And I think it's something that we forget, especially in our current season, but it applies to any season where we're waiting for something, which we're, I feel like we're all constantly in a season of waiting for something <laughs> or the other. And so yeah. to have like, um, just something like God says, Here's what you do while you're waiting, while you're in exile, while you're doing um, these other things like life doesn't stop. His mission doesn't stop. And I feel like that's a huge temptation for all of us um, at this time and in any season of waiting is to just be like, oh, well, when I get married, I'll start this ministry or when I have kids, then I'll disciple them or when I you know, get this new job or when I move houses or whatever it may be, whatever we're waiting on. Um, I think we have a tendency to try to wait until that next thing in order to start um, mm -hmm. what God would have us do. And he's saying, start now. And mm -hmm. um, even though there is a future hope and a future prospering right now, this is what I've called you to do right where you are. And so I think that's such, such a good good advice straight from the Bible and something also very practical that we can do. Yeah, well, you know, then, yeah. the seeds okay. that we plant now, the seeds we plant now are the seeds that is the fruit that we will bear when the waiting is over. And so that's why it's so important that our only waiting is really waiting on the Lord, renewing our strength in the meantime. But, but Elizabeth, I think you put it perfectly. I mean, we do, we live often in this meantime waiting and really to, to have our strength renewed means we wait on the Lord, no matter what season we're in. Yes. Yeah, I think that's so good. And really, what, when we think that there's inactivity in our life, it is not, God is active all the time. Like, his, He is so active in our lives, isn't He? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we you mentioned your podcast earlier, um, that you have a podcast. So tell us a little bit more about that and just maybe other things of how our listeners can find you and things that ways they can connect to, to the work that you're doing, because you, you have a lot of things going on, Jennifer. <laughs> I know. 
Um, well, there's a couple of things that that make my heart just super happy. One is something I did not expect. I, uh, when sheltering in place and quarantine began, because women weren't able to be in Bible study in their churches, I decided, didn't decide, I felt led from the Lord to start a Bible study bistro, I call it. So it's it's a Facebook, a private Facebook group, but women can find it on BibleStudyBistro.com. But there's 15,000 women in it, and we've been doing Bible study for the last eight weeks. We went through Isaiah 40, then we went through the Missing Pieces study. And so we're going to maintain Bible study bistro, and I won't teach every week like I have been because life's about to open up more and I'll be out. But I am going to be in once a month teaching and every week we're going to have a conversation. And we're going to base that conversation on the biblical truths that I'll handle every week on the 413 podcast. And so what I do is I take a question every week, like, can I overcome my fear with faith? Or can I um, walk through the valley when it's dark? We just go through biblical questions, and every week, the answer is always going to be a yes. <laughs> but it's not just a cheerful, yes, you can. It is a very practical, yes, you can. And here's how you do it based on Scripture. And so it becomes a, a very biblically-based conversation about how we can just really live well the life that God has called us to. And it fits this Take Courage Bible study because the whole point of the Take Courage Bible study is to equip women to be who God's called them to be and to do what God has called them to do. And so the 413 podcast and the Bible study bistro are two really good ways to connect with me. And that'll help women to be able to live this courageous life. Awesome. Well, and we want to just encourage women to to check out Jennifer's new study on LifeWay.com. And you can just go to Bible, Women's Bible Studies and find it there. And I know I went through your Psalm 23 study last year with some ladies and absolutely loved it. So any of your studies are just a, a delight and, and really um, great to go through. Um, there's one last question that we always ask our guests. And so we don't want to forget the most important question because we are the marked podcast. So we want to know, Jennifer, what has marked you? What has marked me? I should have been paying attention so I could have a quicker answer. <laughs> you know what is interesting? I'm such a word person, even though I'm blind, I see things in my head visually. And I was thinking, um, that that word marked is very similar to marred, what has marred you. And I thought just immediately, there's so many things that, that could have marred me. And those are the very things I think God used to mark me um, with, his, with his resilience, with the, with the hope that comes and the love. Blindness could have marred me and been the very thing in my life that daily destroyed me. And God has used that to put his seal on me, to mark me, um, to rebrand it as hope and resilience. And it's because of the love of God. So I guess I would just have to say it's the constant love of God that has marked me. I love that. And I don't know that I've thought about it as marred and marked, but that makes perfect sense how he turns, mm -hmm. you know, beauty from ashes and just like the things that mar us do mark us for him. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And um, thank you for being on the podcast today. We are so glad to have this conversation. I know it has already, like, I'm going to 
I'm excited to listen back to this and take some more, some better notes because there's so many good truths in here on how to live in this season and even how to live beyond the season. Um, and you'll want to get this new Bible study, which will be at lifeway.com slash take courage. And we'll have links in the show notes and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but thank you so much for being on here, Jennifer. And thank you for sharing from your heart and for um, encouraging us today. Well, Kelly and Elizabeth, you guys, I get to know because I'm a LifeWay author, how much you do to support all the message of LifeWay and all that we receive. So thank you so much for what you do. We're all in this together, girls. Our listeners, we're all in this together. So thanks. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. And we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag marked podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.